Prologue of A Trace of Memory by Keith Laumer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nick Bolka. A Trace of Memory by Keith Laumer. Prologue. He awoke and lay for a moment looking up at a low ceiling, dimly visible in a faint red glow, feeling the hard mat under his back. He turned his head, saw a wall and a panel on which a red indicator light glared. He swung his legs over the side of the narrow couch and sat up. The room was small, gray-painted, unadorned. Pain throbbed in his forearm. He shook back the loose sleeve of the strange purple garment, saw a pattern of tiny punctures in the skin. He recognized the mark of a feeding hunter. Who would have dared? A dark shape on the floor caught his eye. He slid from the couch, knelt by the still body of a man in a purple tunic, stained black with blood. Gently he rolled the body onto its back. A Marilyn! He seized the limp wrist. There was a faint pulse. He rose and saw a second body. And near the door, two more. Quickly he went to each. All three were dead, hideously slashed. Only a Maryland still breathed, faintly. He went to the door, shouted into the darkness. The ranged shelves of a library gave back a brief echo. He turned back to the gray-walled room, noticed a recording monitor against a wall. He fitted the neurodes to the dying man's temples. But for this gesture of recording a Maryland's life memories, there was nothing he could do. He must get him to a therapist, and quickly. He crossed the library, found a great echoing hall beyond. This was not the Sapphire Palace beside the shallow sea. The lines were unmistakable. He was aboard a ship, a far voyager. Why? How? He stood uncertain. The silence was absolute. He crossed the great hall and entered the observation lounge. Here lay another dead man, by his uniform a member of the crew. He touched a knob and the great screens glowed blue. A giant crescent swam into focus, locked, soft blue against the black of space. Beyond it a smaller companion hung, gray-blotched, airless. What worlds were these? An hour later, he had ranged the vast ship from end to end. In all, seven corpses, cruelly slashed, peopled the silent vessel. In the control sector, the communication lights glowed, but to his call there was no answer from the strange world below. He turned to the recording room. A Maryland still breathed weakly. The memory recording had been completed. All that the dying man remembered of his long life was imprinted now in the silver cylinder. It remained only to color-code the trace. His eye was caught by a small cylinder projecting from the aperture at the side of the high couch where he had awakened. His own memory trace. So he himself had undergone the change. He took the color-banded cylinder, thrust it into a pocket, then whirled at a sound. A nest of hunters, swarming gloves of pale light, clustered at the door. Then they were on him. They pressed close, humming in their eagerness. 
Without the proper weapon, he was helpless. He caught up the limp body of a Maryland. With the hunters trailing in a luminous stream, he ran with his burden to the shuttleboat bay. Three shuttles lay in their cradles. He groped to a switch, his head swimming with the sulfurous reek of the hunters. Life flooded the bay, driving them back. He entered the lifeboat, placed the dying man on a cushioned couch. It had been long since he had manned the controls of a ship, but he hadn't forgotten. Amerlin was dead when the lifeboat reached the planetary surface. The vessel settled gently, and the lock cycled. He looked out at a vista of ragged forest. This was no civilized world. Only the landing ring and the clearing round it showed the presence of man. There was a hollow in the earth by a square marker block at the eastern perimeter of the clearing. He hoisted the body of Amerlin to his back and moved heavily down the access ladder. Working barehanded, he deepened the hollow, placed the body in it, scraped earth over it. Then he rose and turned back toward the shuttle boat. Forty feet away, a dozen men, squat, bearded, wrapped in the shaggy hides of beasts, stood between him and the access ladder. The tallest among them shouted, raised a bronze sword threateningly. Behind these, others clustered at the ladder. Motionless, he watched as one scrambled up, reached the top, disappeared into the boat. In a moment, the savage reappeared at the opening and hurled down handfuls of small bright objects. Shouting, others clambered up to share the loot. The first man again vanished within the boat. Before the foremost of the others had gained the entry, the port closed, shutting off a terrified cry from within. Men dropped from the ladder as it swung up. The boat rose slowly, angling toward the west, dwindling. The savages shrank back, awed. The man watched until the tiny blue light was lost against the sky. End of Prologue